Christmas time is truly the darkest and creepiest time of the year, filled with devilish creatures lurking in the shadows waiting to get us. Best known, of course, is Krampus, who's been the subject of films and songs. There was a time in the late 1800s when people sent Krampus cards, not holiday greetings. There are other violent and dangerous monsters from all over northern climes who have been hunting naughty children for centuries, from shapeshifters to mountain trolls to elves to heavy-handed cohorts of St. Nicholas himself. The Christmas holiday has been filled with ghosts and monsters ready to dole out punishment to those who need it. And tonight, we learn more about these creatures of the night, these creepy Christmas creatures, with our good friend Jeff Belanger. That's next, right here on the very best in paranormal programming. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is my Paranormal 60. I'm not going to stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. Sounds like a lot of supernatural baloney to me. Supernatural. Perhaps. Baloney. Perhaps not. Creepy Chris, Belschnickels, Christmas cats, Christmas witches. What kind of bedeviled book is this? Fright Before Christmas is out right now. As a matter of fact, we have a link for it on today's program guide. And you, you, my lovely darklings, deserve the very best. So go get that book right now and make sure to rate and review it when you do. Joining me for the remainder of this hour, ladies and gentlemen, the only man I would trust to hold my hand through the creepy carols that we're about to hear, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Belanger. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Dave. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. That intro, I was like, wow, it sounds familiar. Oh, yeah. That is a little reading from uh, Jeff's Amazon page. Here is the book, Fright Before Christmas. I put this in on pre-order, so this is not only a first printing of the book, which I'm sure is going to eventually garner big bucks. It is also the very first off the printing press. I've been told by the gypsies it sold it to me. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And Excellent. thank you, Dave. Thank you for the review, too. I saw it just yesterday. So Dude, it's a great it. book. This is one. And already my daughter just walked in and she goes, who's on tonight, dad? And I said, Jeff Belanger. And she goes, oh, the Frightmare book. I want it when you're done reading it. So she's <laughs> well, already she's already made her claim to it. Look, I am in it, buddy. I've got my Christmas Black Widow spidery shirt on. I've Love got it. a nice cup of hot cocoa. Mmm. <laughs> hot. And I am ready to hear creepy Christmas tales and strange supernatural beings from the holidays. A lot of us think that September, October, and maybe even rolling into that first week of November is probably the creepiest time of year. But Jeff, you've made it your goal to ensure that the world realizes that the creepy doesn't stop there. It continues on through the year. Oh, no. The creepy starts there. Mm -hmm. That's only where it begins. Here's the thing, Dave. All over the world, there's four major holidays, really. Uh, mm -hmm. Winter, spring, summer, and fall. Solstices and equinoxes. Halfway between them are the half holidays. 
Halloween, Samhain, the Celtic New Year, is halfway between the fall equinox and the winter solstice. It is the sun setting on the night that is coming. Mm. And if that's the sunset, midnight is Yule, midwinter, the winter solstice. That is the scariest time of year, you know, because you're in Minnesota. And us up here in northern climates know that it, the sun may not come back. There's only a few hours of daylight. It is long, dark nights. It is cold and winter's coming. It is the most frightening time of year. Halloween, sure, the veil's thin. There's ghosts and ghosts scare some people. I get that. But Christmas, Christmas is lethal. There are monsters that could kill us if we're not prepared. You know, looking back again, thinking about the holidays and I, it's so hard to even try to put together the fact that there's creepy factors. But then I look at all the shows we grew up watching and Rudolph, well, he had the bumble, a giant Yeti that was terrifying, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, there, there was um, the, the, what, Year Without Santa Claus where you've got the creepy twins of, of uh, Mr snow miser and heat miser right there's always these wicked villains that appear in all of these stories that seem to grab our attention and even if you take it a little step further and you go to a movie like one of my all-time favorites that i watch every year without missing i go to a wonderful it's a wonderful life sure. and boy you've got one of the worst villains in movie history in that movie right and it does seem that these holidays are wrought with these darker underlinings that a lot of us seem to overlook for the cheery relevance of of what we want holiday spirits to be but there's so much more when it comes to just how dark this season can be for people that it, it, it was born in literal darkness literal darkness that was as we just said it's the longest night and the the irony of it is that you know when we're afraid when when we're really scared and you should be scared i mean just put your mind back a century or two not even thousands of years just go back a hundred years right you you're living at a time when you have to be concerned if you have enough fuel to get through the winter, enough food to get through the winter, if you'll keep your sanity, if your roof will hold up to the snow. Like these are real concerns. And and when we are looking down the barrel of the gun, that is winter, we do something that humans have done forever, right? We when we're scared, sometimes we just party. And so we throw these these festivals. It started as Saturnalia out in, in you know the areas around Rome centuries BC, right? And then it, it, it grew into a six-day festival from December 17th to the 23rd, this raging party where you turn society on its ears and you dress festive and you throw orgies and you you feast and you your masters serve the servants and, and, and all this wonderful stuff. And then further north, it was Yule, where we all drink from the same drinking horn, signifying we're all equals, because I know I'm going to give you gifts and we're going to put our, our differences aside right now. We're going to celebrate the harvest. We're going to celebrate the fresh ale and the wine and give each other gifts, because I know if something goes wrong this winter, I might need to lean on you and you might need to lean on me. So now is the time to, to set aside our differences and, and, and make merry because we're going to need each other. We can't get through this season alone. All right. When you are originally putting this book together, kind of researching the concepts behind this, Krampus, I'd remember hearing about when I was very young, and it was always in fleeting conversation, but nothing that ever grabbed hold of my imagination. Krampus over the last decade seems to be coming to prominence. And, it, you know, this is interesting. Were you blown away by just how many different weird creatures there were surrounding this time of year? 
So about 10 years ago, I was asked to give a talk uh, in December. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Halloween guy like you. Everyone knows this around October. We're so busy. Hey, come give a talk about ghosts and things like that. And someone said, hey, would you want to do a talk about Krampus? And I said, well, shoot, you know, I've, I've sort of vaguely heard about him. I've been meaning to look into it. I started researching. And then the more I started doing these talks, the more other people started telling me about other monsters from their cultures. And I'm writing them all down and coming home and it's adding up. And I, I started to realize like, oh my gosh, these monsters are everywhere. Now Krampus, Krampus is the star, right? He's got movie deals. And and by the way, the thing about Krampus, right? If, for those who don't know, he's, he's they call him the Christmas devil. He's, he's covered in fur. He's got horns. He's got a long forked red tongue. He's got, you know, he's on the cover of the book that, that Dave showed you here, right? So he's, he's got uh, chains and he's got a basket where he snatches up naughty children and puts them inside. There he is, there's Krampus. And, and so he's this, this horrible monster, but I was thinking about it. You said you heard about it as, in your childhood. I did not. But as I was thinking back, I was like, you know, there were tons of monsters and they all got pushed aside around the 1920s, 1930s, but they're making a, a roaring comeback. Um, and, and I thought about it and I was like, wait a minute, Krampus was in my childhood and he was in your childhood too, Dave. You watched him on television every year. I promise you, he just went by a different name. He was a different color. He was green, right? But he was the Grinch. He was covered in fur. He lived in the mountains. He looked over Whoville. Like, you know, that is, that's Krampus, right? It's it's just a different name. So, and I, I think the reason the Grinch resonated with us is that he spoke to our DNA. There was something in us that sort of remembered, right? Oh, wait, that seems vaguely familiar. Germans must have been like, I know what that is. It's been part of our culture forever. Um, so Krampus never totally went away, but now, my goodness, He's here to stay. Krampus walks, Krampus festivals. Um, my, my parents live in this little tiny conservative Connecticut, New England town. And two Christmases ago, I, I gave a talk in the town about, you know, the horrors of Christmas. And I had Krampus on my shirt. And someone said, I saw at the Christmas parade today, someone was walking around covered in fur and with horns. And I'm like, what is this devil looking creature? And I went, oh my gosh, if he's in your little town's Christmas parade, well, forget it. This year, there's going to be two or three of them, and then he could be anywhere. So I really feel like uh, Krampus is making a comeback because we need him. We're, we're summoning him forth. We are bringing him around. Uh, what started in German and Austria is now going worldwide. I have the feeling that I need to rewrite the lyrics uh, to a famous rap tune, Don't Call This a Comeback, and I'm going to make it all about Krampus. But it's amazing. I've got to know, though. It seems that most things in our history are kind of rooted in the darkness. Of course. Now, does Krampus predate St. Nicholas or, or Santa Claus, or do they come about around the same time? Okay, so I'm going to ask everybody right now, if Santa Claus and St. Nicholas are not two different people in your head, mm -hmm. I need you to separate them now. Because all over the world, they are two different people. What? Uh, except America. America, yep. we've blended them together. Mm -hmm. um we are and, the great melting pot we are the great in <laughs> europe saint nicholas comes on december 6th santa claus comes on december 25th mm. um two different two different people and for the sake of our discussion let's let's separate them now um so krampus the idea of krampus has been around arguably you know millennia but as a formal name he's a little more modern you know um and and i was thinking about the darkness too uh, Christmas really, to me, is is about a time for redemption. It's a time for like taking stock of ourselves. I mean, we have the new year too, where we tend to like look at, take stock. You can't help it. It's the, it's a new year. What do I want to do with my life? Right. 
But the only way for us to be redeemed is to go to a really dark place, right? How can you see the light unless you're in a dark place, right? You need, we, and the only way we're going to get there is if we face the monsters, the ghosts, the demons that are in our everyday lives. And this is a time of year to literally do that. And to, like I said, set aside our differences and party and give gifts and, and look out for one another because we're, we're, we're taking stock. We're building up our karma bank as we go into this really dangerous time of year. And so, uh, so I think the concept of Krampus has been around for millennia, but the, by name centuries for sure. All right. Now, again, when St. Nicholas, Santa Claus, we hear those two things, we've always thought them to be the same character. Uh, explain to me a little bit about the split and, and the sure. differences of where these two Genesis, Genesis points began. Uh, parents cover ears of anyone that needs ears covering right now. And that's all we'll say. So St. Nicholas is a real person from the land of Myra, modern day Turkey. He died December 6, 336 AD. And he was uh, born a wealth into a wealthy family. And he spent his whole life, uh, he was orphaned when he was young. He spent his whole life giving away his wealth, uh, starting orphanages, um, giving dowries to poor people that, that didn't, couldn't afford them. Uh, did a lot of really great things. And he became the patron saint for sailors, pawnbrokers, children, and the stories of his miracles just spread and spread and spread. There were more churches named after St. Nicholas than any of the apostles uh, for a long time. And it was the people that made him St. Nicholas, not the church. The church relented years later. They had to. They had to bend to the will of the people. But uh, so Nicholas, real person, and December 6th is his veneration day. That's the day that he comes around and he brings uh, gifts to the good girls and boys throughout Europe. Santa Claus seems to show up more or less in the 1800s. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's a derivative of Sinterklaas, which was brought over by the Dutch to America. And Sinterklaas, of course, heavily, heavily influenced by St. Nicholas, uh, but became sort of a distinct figure in more modern times as the idea of Christmas, December 25th Christmas, got a lot more commercial. And Santa Claus came around and brings all the toys and, and on and on and on. So that's where the split sort of happened. And Santa Claus started to go in sort of one trajectory. And St. Nicholas in Europe still is on the, the one he was on before. All right. One thing that I've always been curious about in the paranormal, we talk about egregores of, of uh, thought forms, mm -hmm. right? Creatures that when we give it power, it seems to take root and it becomes something. Um, you know, the Philip experiment is one famous uh, version. There's Pearl who's out in the uh, Glen Tavern Inn in California. But when it comes to Santa with so many people that believe and know Santa exists, why aren't we seeing more visionary versions of Santa appearing? Uh, I, I, oh my gosh. I think we see him every year. I think we, I, so here's when I was young, I remember I, and I was fortunate to grow up into a house where my mom was addicted to Christmas. I mean, when the fork hit the dessert plate on Thanksgiving day, game on, right? <laughs> like you didn't even clear the dishes yet. It was like right. the tree goes up, right? The lights, this is it. We are full on Christmas. And, and I was infected with the Christmas spirit. It was absolutely amazing and magical time. You know, I was, I was riding a high from Thanksgiving through New Year's on this incredible holiday. And, and that spirit is, is so very real to me. As I got older, high school, I remember it would take longer and longer for me to feel it, 
Like I'd go to the chorus concert in high school and I'd watch my friends sing carols and stuff and I'd start to feel it a little bit. Um, but as I got older, I felt it less and less. And then if I was lucky, maybe I would feel it a couple days before Christmas, maybe, right? And, and, and then as you got even older, maybe Christmas Eve. Then of course I had a child, I had a kid and then the magic is, is sort of renewed, but now she's 16 and it's not quite as magical as it was for her as, as it once was. And when I did this deep dive, I realized like I'm, I'm chasing a drug. I'm I'm chasing that high that I had as a kid. And when I started working on this, this book and, and doing the deep dive and started realizing like all these traditions that I've been carrying on, putting up the tree, putting up the reef, putting up the lights, giving gifts, giving to charity, cooking special things, making nice things and visiting family and all this other stuff. When you realize the meaning behind it, like I started to get, I started to feel that high again, Dave, right? Like that mm -hmm. it's, it's a drug, right? It is absolutely a drug. And so I sort of, and and of course, the other way was to consume a story that I've consumed most of my life every December, and that is a Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Whether it's Muppets performing this, or cartoons, or a stage play live, or reading the book, or watching the Alistair Sim like 1951 movie, um, whatever it is, that story hits me. And it helps me remember what the season is supposed to feel like, what it's supposed to be about. And so I think there is a true spirit of this holiday. We reinvent it every single year. We create the tulpa, the thought form, whatever you want to call it, of Santa and everything that, that he's supposed to represent. And we manifest it in our own homes. We do it every year. As a kid, I remember seeing Santa Claus. I remember when my daughter would see Santa like directing traffic. He happened to be directing traffic one day where we were driving by. Lost her mind. Of course, she lost her mind. The world's biggest celebrity is directing traffic, right? In in our little town on on the in Main Street, right? And oh my gosh, there's Santa Claus. So of course, of course. And so I think we manif we manifest him every year. His spirit, I can promise you, has possessed me year after year after year, and I welcome it. I welcome it and I'm looking forward to it possessing me again this year. I give to charities. I, I do toys for tots. I do everything I can think of because I have some abundance and I know that I feel good giving some of that away. And I feel good making merry for the people around me, my friends, my loved ones, and so on. And so that is so very real, so very tangible. Um, so I don't think I don't think it needs to be something that we have to capture on a CCTV camera or something. I think we're all very aware of the the Santas and the the miracles we manif we, we manifest every single year. Excellent point. You know, I, I think about it now and at this time of year around Thanksgiving, I've usually done this where I mention to people that we're going to do the, you know, the angel drive. Mm -hmm. So for paranormal 60 angels, if you are interested and I'll tell you now, folks, if you're interested in helping a family this year, then just email me, Dave at paranormal60.com. And when a family that I've vetted comes through, I will start forwarding the information on to you. Uh, the ages of the children, the likes and dislikes, and how you can help out by having things from Amazon sent to the families to help them make sure that the holidays are merry this year. And we've been doing that pretty much on and off for about the last 16 years. And I have been astounded how many people come forward in this time of year to help, to do beautiful things like this. So you're right. 
The spirit of Santa Claus comes to life every year in people that you wouldn't expect it. I have people from different faiths that reach out to me that want to be a, a, a Christmas angel for a family in need. So excellent point. And speaking of being an angel, look at this. Deb oh, gave $10. That. That's right. Dave, looking so festive tonight and hot. Well, thank you. I think they mean sweaty is the kinder word, but <laughs> I appreciate that, Deb. Thank you so much. Super like, super sticker, super everything's on. If you feel the need to show a little love to the show, you can do that. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about um, the the full side of Krampus, the, the concept of what he is when he started making his rounds. And again, obviously there's always that thing that we put out there to warn our children. If you're not yeah. good, or if you get too close to the water's edge, or if you go into the woods alone, right, things might be there that can hurt us. So Krampus sounds like he fits right into the folklore of kind of warnings about how we need to treat people more and how to especially show respect for our parents. Yeah, absolutely. He's the consequence. And he shows up December 5th, and remember, I said December 6th is St. Nicholas Day. Mm. So December 5th is no accident. Uh, he sometimes shows up with St. Nicholas, sometimes without him. But he's there to do the dirty work. These these guys get along. They're cohorts. They're good cop, bad cop. Uh, and and St. Nicholas, of course, is grateful come St. Nicholas Day because he can deliver toys and treats to all the good girls and boys because that's all that's left. All the bad ones are dead. They've been dragged away by Krampus, this monster, right? This this horrible monster um, that that is the, the thing you threaten. When I was a kid, I was told, hey, you better be good or you'll get less presents or no presents or the worst would be coal and sticks in my stocking. Eh, not much of a consequence for like 11 months of like horrible behavior, right? Right. But imagine if your parents are like, Krampus is coming, and if you've been bad, he's going to drag you out of your nice, warm, toasty bed, stuff you into a sack, and bring you back up into the mountains and kill you. And like, oh my, I mean, like, <laughs> that's a different way of doing things, right? Merry uh, Christmas. Merry Christmas. Krampus yeah. is coming. Uh, so I, I think, yeah, Krampus is that consequence that that we've pushed away. And that's, again, that started in the 1920s and 30s for a very specific reason. Um, but we sort of felt like, no, Christmas needs to be about retail and, and consumerism and Santa Claus and Coca-Cola. Um, and these monsters don't have a place in that world. They do. And I think we're realizing that now. And that's why they're coming back full force. But for decades, we we just pushed them into the shadows and there they waited. They've been hibernating, just just waiting, showing glimpses of themselves like the Grinch and so on. But uh, I think they're coming back because we're ready for them. We need them. Um, and, and, and we need to realize, too, that, you know, and, and I'm not knocking consumerism. By all means, I recognize how important it is to the country and to the world for us to spend. But there was a time. And this is the other thing, too, that I sort of learned in, in doing this research. When I was growing up, I had friends that were Jewish and like other faiths, right? And I always thought, how horrible is it that Santa Claus doesn't visit them? Like Santa's an anti-Semite? That's horrible. Like what the heck, right? Or if I'm like, that doesn't, he's the greatest guy ever. How could he do such a thing? Right. If you go back to what this holiday is supposed to be about, the winter solstice, the winter solstice affects everybody. Doesn't matter what you believe, don't believe, who you pray to, who you don't pray to. If you live in a northern climate where it's scary and cold, then it affects you. And so you should give gifts and you should make merry and we should look out for each other, no matter what your faith is or isn't. Um, and that's what the holiday was always about before, 
you know, it, it, it became sort of Christianized. And that's only a really modern thing, right? Uh, when I was growing, I was raised Roman Catholic. And I remember this was the early 1980s. And uh, at our church, Father Lawler, who was badass, right? This guy was tough and uh, and mean. I don't think he liked anybody. Um, but we were having a, a, a Santa Claus event in the church hall. And Santa Claus walked in and he had candy canes and little wrapped gifts, which were, were plastic rosary beads for the kids. And Father Lawler's face was just like lasers were shooting out, trying to make Santa Claus's head explode. He was so <laughs> angry that Santa was there. And I'm like, what's wrong with you, dude? That's Santa. He's bigger than Jesus, man. And and, and, and that's it. That. that was bad news for the Beatles. I don't know that, how that's going to work for yeah, Santa. That, and that was probably the problem, right? And yeah. so, because I think Father Lawler knew, like, this is all pagan. This has nothing to do with Christianity or Jesus or anything. And and in fact, like, the Christmas story in the Bible gets very little ink because it's not very important. It, the birth of Jesus is not very important. I'm not being anti-religious, but the, the reality is everyone is born. You were born. I was born. All of us were born. Christianity doesn't hinge on Christmas. Christianity hinges on Easter. That's what defines a Christian, the death and resurrection that the, when you believe that that gets lots of ink in the Bible, you know, that if, if it was important that we knew Jesus's birthday, the Bible would have given it to us, but it doesn't. It's just vague. In fact, in the, the Luke, it says, uh, and the shepherds lay sleeping out with their flocks by night and in Bethlehem, that would be three seasons of the year, spring, mm -hmm. summer, and fall, which means according to the Bible, the only season we can rule out is winter as to the birth of Jesus. <laughs> so, so anyway, it's, it's not important from a Christian perspective, a theological perspective, but it became that later on after a, a many centuries war against Christmas from, from Christianity that just ended really in the last few decades. Um, and, and it's too bad because the holiday is inclusive. It should be inclusive. Santa, by the way, can be for, he can visit Jewish houses. He can visit Hindu houses. He can visit any house that that he's he's re he's requested, you know what I mean? Right. Um, and I think that's something we can take back, and we can take that back this year, next year. You know, like you're allowed to define it every single year because that's what Christmas has always been about. It is malleable, it's movable, uh, it's evolving always, and and these monsters are here to set us straight. Those monsters don't discriminate. They don't ask your faith before they eat you, right? They don't ask your faith before they hunt you down in the woods. They just see you out there susceptible, vulnerable, and that's when they attack. Oh, Christmas is such a warm time of year when that's you tell it like that. I know. I uh, know. You know, it's funny. Real quickly, you bring up a, an interesting memory. I went to a Lutheran grade school, and I remember my one of our science teachers, he was very uh, Christianity by the book, and he was very offended kind of by Christmas and the commercialism of it, which I understand, sure. but he too was kind of against the whole Santa and and I remember our pastor had been walking down the hall and heard this rant. Our science teacher was kind of laying on a bunch of seventh graders, right? And and the pastor stopped in and he said, you know, I think you've got it wrong. You're saying that with Santa Claus, we give up what Christianity is. Santa is Christianity. It is giving without cause. It is just being kind. The biggest rule in the Bible is love your neighbor like yourself. And 
This is a man who goes out of his way to be kind to children and teach them a better way, which is exactly what Jesus did. So I'm pretty sure that Jesus is good friends with Santa, if not helping Santa every time he goes out on Christmas Eve. And who do you think yields that time for you? You know, and I mean, obviously we're all at an age where the Santa story and mythos was not nearly as deeply entrenched anymore, but it made beautiful sense. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to bring that back up. Now, uh, you did touch on the Christmas tree, the the wreaths and things like that. There's a darker energy to that, right? Because we we all yeah. think, oh, these are beautiful little adornments, but there was there was a reason for those little creepy things to be hanging around our house that we we don't understand. What is it? So th- this this was a game changer for me because I, I was literally hanging the wreath on my front door, um, the plastic fake plastic wreath on my front door early December. I live in Massachusetts. It was cold. My fingers are numb. The wreath falls to the ground as the crafting wire breaks. And I'm just like, why am I doing this? Right. (laughs) And then when you start to learn about it. So I want you to picture like a winter landscape around the winter solstice in some Scandinavian country. And you look out your window Mm -hmm. and it looks like behind you, Dave, right? right? Winter has killed everything. It's killed the flowers. It's killed the grass. It's killed the trees. They're naked skeletons. Are they going to come back at all? I don't know, right? The ponds, the lakes are frozen solid. The ground is frozen. Everything is dead and frozen except one tree. One tree out there is not the evergreen. You see the evergreen is stronger than winter. There must be something inherently magical and special about this tree, that it is more powerful than winter, that it can stand up to winter. And when we're inside, we hear sounds that we don't hear the rest of the year. You, it's Maybe it's just the wind whipping through those naked trees, but I don't know. Maybe it's the shrieks of, of, of angry, anguished spirits that are being chased down by the Norse god Odin. And so we're scared. We hear that shrieking sound that we don't hear in the spring, summer, or fall. We, and we see these trees and we say, okay, these trees are magical. We're going to take the branches. We're going to put them over our doors and windows. We're going to bring the tree inside as a symbol that if this tree is stronger than winter, we can be stronger too. And we keep the prickly needles outside that it keeps the bad cheer and the bad spirits outside and the good cheer and the warmth inside. It protects us from something. I put that damn wreath up on my front door every single year, year after year. I hung the lights on the Christmas, on on the lights outside and so on to make the house look pretty. My dad did it. My dad's dad did it. And I just said, well, we, this is what we do. But now when I understand we do this because we want to keep the bad cheer outside and the good cheer inside, I mean it. I really do want to do that. Right. It it now has some meaning. And I light up the lights because it's dark out. It's a long, dark night. And if you lose your way, you may need to find your way to my home. So I'm going to light up the night so you can find it. So I can be a beacon if someone's in need. And it's a reminder. I need to find my way home in the dark. I need you to find your way to my home in the dark. If you get lost, if you need help, it means something. When you know the meaning, then suddenly, wow. And then here's one other thing. If you want to have a really traditional Christmas tree this year, the Nordic people, when they would make a kill in the winter, which was so important, right? You need to supplement your diet. You need to kill deer and elk if you can find it, you know, and hunt them down. They would pull the entrails out of the deer and out of the elk, and they would drape those entrails around the evergreen tree as a kind of garland, as an offering to this powerful, mighty tree. So if you want to have an authentic Christmas this year, I say get some deer guts and put them on your Christmas tree at home instead of popcorn and cranberries. 
Because then when people walk in, they'll say, what is that horrible, horrible stench? You'll say, that is the smell of an authentic Christmas. And that's, ladies and gentlemen, why you need to get this book. This is The Fright Before Christmas. I have a link for it on today's program guide. And you don't have to take just my word that this is an amazing book. I've also had a good friend of mine weigh in on it. What do you think? Do you agree this is one of the best books you've ever read, Josh Gates? Yes, Dave, you are absolutely correct. Huh? That's an endorsement. Wow. Hopefully he doesn't know I'm using it to endorse things. But either yeah. way, I'm pretty sure he'd be he'd be good with it. Totally. Um, we need to take just a very quick break. We will come back. We've got more to discuss, and let's start getting into some of the other creepy critters besides Krampus. We need to know about the Belschnickel and the witches and the cats and more, and we'll do that right after this. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run, maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's better. Help, H E L P dot com slash P sixty. It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp dot com slash P sixty. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Hey, everybody, make sure to go check out the Paranormal 60s Swag Shop. Why? Because we're bringing Creepy Christmas to you as well. We've got some awesome designs of prints and uh, ornaments. And let's see, we've also got, uh, uh, I think there's wrapping paper with some of your favorite cryptids and creatures and ghouls. There's ghosts, there's yetis, there's Bigfoot, there's more, there's aliens, all kinds of cool stuff. Go check out Paranormal60SwagShop.com. There's a link for that in today's show guide as well. Paranormal60SwagShop.com. Scroll down the page. And then you will see all of the cool Christmas stuff that we've now made available. Plus, you can find all of our T-shirts, our hats, our sweatshirts, our baseball jerseys, anything to show your love for the Paranormal 60 podcast. Go check it out right now. That's Paranormal60SwagShop.com. All right, we are back. Jeff Belanger, our guest, the name of the book. Again, The Fright Before Christmas, Surviving Krampus, and other What's the word on there? Yuletide monster. Sorry, my brain froze. 
Um, the book is out and available right now. There's a link for it on today's program guide. We've talked about Krampus. We've talked about the meaning behind the tree and the wreath and the the uh, uh, little swags that we put up. Let's start hearing about some of these other creepy critters that are known to populate this time of year. So uh, there there are so many. Um, uh, where would you like to start? <laughs> well, the bell schnickel, first bell of schnickel. all. Okay. Yeah. So if, if uh, Krampus is a little too extreme for you, the idea mm -hmm. of killing, you know, your naughty children is just a little too harsh. Bell schnickel is almost like Krampus light. Belschnickel uh, translates to Nicholas and Furs, also mm -hmm. hails from Germany and Austria. And um, he, he could be played by anyone in your village, anyone in your town. He's covered in soot. He carries a switch of sticks and he's got this patchwork of furs. He'll show up alone. He doesn't uh, show up with St. Nicholas. He comes alone uh, a couple of weeks before Christmas. And I might knock on your door. I might be, be the Belschnickel this year. And I'll say, Dave, do you have any naughty children in this house? And you might say, well, these two have been pretty good, but that one over there, you know, not so much. And I'll say, okay, and I'll take your bad kid out back. I'll tie him to a tree and I will beat his ass with that switch of sticks. Just beat him mercilessly. He will cry and scream and wail. And uh, and then I'll hand him back to you and, and he can get right and still get some presents in time for Christmas. Aww. Next year could be your turn to be the Belschnickel and you can come beat my kids. It's kind of beautiful, really. It's a community. It's yeah. bringing people together for a common good. That's what this is about. So Belschnickel is, uh, <laughs> and and he's coming back. I, we we I did a, a segment on him on my New England Legends series for PBS, where a historic home in Connecticut brings him in instead of Saint Nicholas. And of course, if you've ever watched The Office, uh, Dwight Schrute played the Belschnickel in one of the episodes where he was covered in furs and carried sticks, and uh, it was just it was a great episode. But that's Pennsylvania Dutch country. That's you know Scranton, and um, and they would have brought that that over with them but every country seems to have their own version um you know of that it, france by the way has pair futard which means father whipper which today is sort of like belschnickel but his backstory is the most horrific of any i've heard of <laughs> well do tell <laughs> so the story goes uh once upon a time the some three children were lost in a horrible snowstorm and they found their way to this village where the only thing that was open was a butcher shop and so they walk into the butcher shop seeking shelter for the night until they can, you know, find a way home the next day. And they walk in and the butcher shop's rather empty. There's nothing for the butcher to sell. And that's a problem if you're a butcher. And that's when the butcher gets a horrible idea and tells the kids, sure, you could stay here for the night. But then he brings them in the back and he takes his butcher's knife and he carves each of them up into steaks and he puts their meat into salting tubs where he's going to sell their meat to local villagers. Now, Pretty soon, St. Nicholas comes along and gets a weird tingling feeling and goes into the butcher shop, walks in, and immediately sees the meat in salting tubs. Not only knows what it is, but he knows who it is. And he knows, oh my gosh, you monster. Through the miracle of St. Nicholas, he's able to put the children back together again where they're going to be okay. Besides needing endless years of therapy, they're going to live. <laughs> and he sends St. Nicholas, sends them back to their parents, and then tells the butcher... This is an abomination, you Christmas cannibal. You can't do this. From now on, you work for me. You will be Père Futar. You'll be Father Whipper. And no more cutting up and, and eating the naughty children. From now on, you just beat them at my bidding. And so he became a servant of St. Nicholas. And each year, Père Futar, in fact, I got to interview a French school teacher who sent me a picture from her classroom. We're talking like five and six-year-olds. And in the classroom comes St. Nicholas with Père Futar right next to him 
Both mm-hmm. of them sit down together. And as a little kid, you're looking and you don't know which one is there for you. That's to this very day. Holy cow. What cheery, cheery little messages we share, right? But that's the problem. In you know, we joke around about it as we shake our fist in righteous indignation and say, you know, when I was a kid, I had respect for my elders, but there is nowhere near the uh, accountability for people today uh, in, in a lot of ways. So we are kind of missing having repercussions for our bad actions. So having these Christmas creatures come crawling back out. Too many C's for me to say all at once. Having these creepy Christmas creatures crawling back out of the woodwork is kind of, it it kind of tells you something, doesn't it? The resurfacing of ideologies and how bad we may need, not necessarily beating and eating children. I mean, I'm not going to rule it out because it's looking like winter is going to be a little slim in the Schrader house and we've got one too many kids as it is. So I'm just, I'm putting it out there, you know. But the fact is that maybe, the world needs to be reminded of this and, and repercussions is an interesting way to realign people's mojos. I think also too, we, we need to, we need to spend some time going down into a dark place each year. And these monsters help us do that because let's face it. If you're a little German kid lying in bed on December 4th and wondering what's coming for you, you can't help, but take stock of everything you've done in the last year. Oh, I did take that extra cookie and yeah, I did break the lamp that one time, right? Like, so you're, you're running through your sins. You're running through the things you've done, uh, that were bad. And you're asking yourself, was I that bad? Do I deserve, you know, and well, I, I should obviously try better, but you, you can't get there unless you go down into a dark place where there's a consequence with no consequence. Well, what's your motivation to face those face that, right? You know what I mean? Right. And, and, and so I, I think these these monsters, these stories have been around for centuries because we need them. They serve us. Um, yeah. The Elf on the Shelf. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. That's about the, uh, Dolan yeah, too. One of our, one of our uh, listeners here, Music's Mary. I can't. I'm just taking a shot at that. The Elf on the Shelf is always watching. There is a creepy element to the elf on the shelf. And I really think it's funny how they've actually, so many people have taken it so dark when you watch the holidays and people posting their pictures of the elf and what he's up to. So the elf on the shelf comes from the Swedish Tomten. And the Tomten is a, is a helper elf that, that is around our homes, around our farms. Uh, and, and he takes, he helps us take care of things, takes care of the animals, the house chores, he helps. Uh, and if you get out of line, he's even known to slap you around. The worst thing the Tomten can do is leave you. And so the Tomten is always watching your behavior to make sure you're you're being productive around your home. And all the Tomten asks for a year of service is that on Christmas Eve, you leave out a bowl of, of Risengrot, which is the sticky sweet rice pudding uh, as, a, as a food offering. Mm-hmm. And, and you've, you've seen Tomten, I guarantee if you went to like any craft store right now, they're like little gnomes that are all hat and beard. You know what I mean? Oh, like, right, right. Yeah. 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 You've seen it like that. That's the Thompson. And so uh, they were always sort of lurking, watching on, you know, watching in on you, but also, um, you know, helping around the house. The elf on the shelf is just a derivative of that. Um, same idea, right? The, the elf is there watching you um, reporting back on your behavior. It's just an extension of, of stuff that's been around an extension of um, Santa, right? And in more modern times, the elf on the shelf is an extension of Santa who's watching when Santa can't be there. Um, 
but yeah, that, that, that elf man, um, any parent out there who's ever been lying down in bed, getting ready to just blissfully drift off to sleep at night and goes, oh, damn elf on the shelf. Yeah. I'll be Great. back. And it's funny, right? The, the rules that come with the elf on the shelf and what you can and can't do. And just watching the pure sheer terror as one was falling off of my ceiling fan and I went to reach to grab him and my son screamed, don't dad, don't touch him. And for fear that the soul would return to the North pole, but I felt like maybe the important lesson is here reaching out to help, but <laughs> I just let him fall to the ground where he laid for days. And I let my son just think about that for a while. And then miraculously he appeared in our camp pantry eating Oreo cookies. Right. Um, all right. How about witches? Witches are so popular. Yeah. Where do we have holiday witches and uh, what's the backstories? So in Italy, we have La Bafana, who's the, the Italian Christmas witch. And she shows up on uh, Epiphany, which is the 12th day of Christmas in, um, in January. Her backstory, the, there's two versions of the backstory. One is uh, the Christian one, where the three magi were, were following the star, trying to find the, the birth of Jesus. And they get a little sidetracked and they, they find this village and they, they need lodging. And La Bafana has the nicest lodging in town. She takes them in, says, of course, feeds them a wonderful meal. And they're so taken by how, how meticulous of a housekeeper she is and how good the food is and how hospitable she was. And in the morning, they invite her. Hey, we're on a quest to find the birth of the Savior. Come with us. And she says, no, I simply have so much to do here. I just couldn't do it. Well, later on, after they've left, she sort of has this epiphany that maybe she should have gone with them. And so to sort of atone for this, uh, forevermore, she becomes the La Bafana, the Italian Christmas witch who flies on a broom on Epiphany Eve, and she will come to your house. She'll come down your chimney. She will leave little toys and trinkets uh, and treats for your kids. But the very best part about La Bafana is that she cleans your house before she leaves. I know. I know. How do we sign up? Yes. We're, is there a, I'll, I'll become Italian. I, That's, you know. Yeah. Hey, La Bafana, it's okay. Come to visit my house, please. Is that, uh, <laughs> that's not offensive, I hope. No, no, that's, no. that sounds nothing like a stereotype. So, <laughs> a stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but I mean, it's every, but, so, but the, but the, the more pagan backstory about it, uh, is, is that she's, um, she's a Roman goddess who was actually beautiful mm. and, and alluring and, and, um, you know, she would have offerings and so on. So it's, it's, it, 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 she, her, she got, she was changed over time because that wasn't really a good Christian veneer to have this beautiful, alluring, sexy woman. It had to be an old haggard uh, lady who was no threat to anybody. But, but La Bafana's story, I, I, I spoke to someone who grew up in Italy and he said how, um, you know, Christmas was still the big day, December 25th. That's when you got the, the, all the presents and toys. But if there was like just one thing you really wanted that you didn't get, he's like, La Bafana was like cleanup duty. And that was it. Like, you know, Epiphany Day came and you get like a book or like, a, you know, a box of crayons or something like that. Just one more little gift. And then the parents were just done. Christmas was done. You put it all away. You know, we're finished for the year. Hey, La Bafana, I'm just saying, this would be a great book to drop in people's <laughs> homes right after the holidays. This one? Yeah, The Fright Before oh. Christmas, Jeff Belanger. I got mine. Author. Yeah, and if you'd like some other amazing holiday gift ideas, let's check out Soultopia.
Innovation, creation, vitality, and joy are the pulse of MySoulTopia.com with many custom creations for the mind, body, and spirit along with classes, intuitive sessions, coaching, and healing energies. MySoulTopia.com strives to bring sophistication with a twist to the metaphysical and the holistic market while raising the community's vibration and channeling the new paradigm which means new and exciting adventures for all. MySoulTopia.com is utopia for your soul. Visit MySoulTopia.com, your one-stop shop for all your metaphysical needs. Offering hand-selected crystals and crystal jewelry with prices to fit every budget. MySoulTopia.com offers the best selections of tarot and divination cards by top designers expertly curated and award-winning book collections from top authors on every subject you'll need on your spiritual journey. My Soultopia is also proud to offer the finest singing bowls and an eclectic collection of the most amazing gemstones, crystals, and crystal jewelry from the top metaphysical designers in the world. MySoulTopia.com is always your one-stop shop for award-winning mixes of Florida water, sage spray, and other spiritual protection. So begin your journey with the best resource, MySoulTopia.com. That's MySoulTopia.com. Why mess with the rest when you can start with the best? MySoulTopia.com. Again, that's M-Y-S-O-U-L. T-O-P-I-A dot com. Well, the Christmas giving continues. Sandra Kincaid dropping $19.99 on us to help Dave with his soreness from the crash. Sending love and healing. Thank you, Sandra Kincaid. And thank you for everyone that was worried. I posted about the car accident I had been in. Car is totaled. I'm not. I'm happy. Nobody else was hurt. It was an inanimate object that forced itself onto the hood of my car <laughs> as it slow rolled on black ice and uh, hit that uh, pylon. But everybody's safe. I'm okay. Thank you for the love and support. Um, and, and it means a lot to me, Sandra. Thanks again for the uh, donation to the show and to the program. Thank you. Our guest tonight, the one, the only Jeff Belanger, one of the best guys I know out in the paranormal field. He's always busting his butt to bring you the best history, to give you the insight to some of the stories you thought you knew. And he's doing that so beautifully in his book, Surviving Krampus and Other Yuletide Monsters in Fright before Christmas. The book is out and available right now. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Please go get that book, not only for yourself, get it for friends and children and neighbors and put it in all their stockings because they've been good and they deserve it. And then make sure to rate and review the book as well. All right, Jeffrey. Yes, sir. I need, I need more creepy creatures. What is What was one that really surprised you aside from Krampus? What other one kind of lived up to that dark, dark plateau? So I think probably maybe the most frightening, even beyond Krampus, uh, is Grilla from Iceland. And Grilla is a, she's a, a mountain ogress. She's like a troll that lives way up in the hills of Iceland. And Iceland is a really interesting country because uh, unlike just about every other country in the world, when it was first settled by Europeans, it was empty because it was covered by an ice sheet. Before that, right, there, were, there weren't people there. It was literally settled. There weren't people there, but there were trolls and imps and fairies and all kinds of creatures and as the europeans moved in uh those creatures sort of got pushed up into the mountains 
to where they would just sort of bide their time. Then winter comes and we're talking parts of Iceland, you know, like Reykjavik, uh, the capital. There's only about four hours of sunlight at the winter solstice, you know, and if you go further north, it's less than that. If you go to the very tip of Iceland, it's almost at the Arctic Circle where it doesn't rise at all. So around the winter solstice, these creatures come back down from the mountain to sort of collect their rent. The the gorilla is the, you know, she's in charge, but she's also got the Yule lads with her and the Yule cat. They're all part of her dysfunctional family. The gorilla does not discriminate. Krampus is looking for naughty children. Grilla is looking for any children, good or bad. If you get caught outside, if you get wandering into the mountains or into the woods, your parents will tell you, watch out. Grilla will snatch you up, take you back to her mountain lair and cook you in her stew. Doesn't matter if you're good. Doesn't matter if you're bad. If you go out there at night in the cold, you're irresponsible and you're, you're risking your life. Yikes. And yeah. I like, yeah, some thugs and a cat, huh? She's got the Yule lads. The Yule lads, there's, there's, uh, <laughs> the Yule lads come for, uh, two weeks. There's 13 of them. Um, and, uh, and, and they show up each day, uh, in December, one after the other, after the other. Some comes, uh, come to, to steal your milk from your cows. Some will lick the pots clean in your kitchen. Some will steal your, your skier, which is like yogurt. Others will hide under your bed. Some sniff the doorway. Some peep in through your windows. Some slam the door and some steal your candles. Each one has a unique sort of uh, trait. Weird, weird and, fetish, and, I think is the word you're looking fetish. for. Yeah, pretty much fetish. Sniffing your doors. Each one haunts you for about two weeks and then goes away until, wow. uh, you know, the next one shows up. And it's it's uh, the U-Lads in, in Iceland. They'll announce on the on the news like, oh, tonight the skier gobbler shows up and he's going to take your skier. And and then, of course, there's uh, Dave's favorite, the sausage swiper. Uh, right? Oh, man. <laughs> Swiper, stop swiping. <laughs> he shows like up. It. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the Yule Cat. The Yule Cat is all, all that from Iceland. And um, the Yule Cat's really interesting because the Yule Cat, on Christmas Day, you need to set out the new clothes that you got on, on Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, the, the Yule Cat will kill you, will literally attack you and kill you. Um, mm. the, the offering must be new clothes. And that's sort of an incentive to work hard to make sure you can afford new clothes. Yule Cat helps keep the economy going um, and then, you know, shows up around Christmas time to make sure to check that you do indeed have new sweaters and new clothes and new pants and so on. All right. What is probably one of the least impressive of the Christmas creatures? The least weird, or I should say maybe the most weird, but least terrifying of them all. Do you know? Oh, God. I mean... That's a tough one. I mean, I, I think I think the um, the Yule lads probably like. I mean, are you really worried about someone licking your pots clean in your kitchen? I mean, not, you know. not in my house. <laughs> I'll take the job. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know that one. That one. I don't think they're going to make any horror movies about. No. Um, <laughs> there is another one though. Um, Bulgaria has the Karakonkalis, and this is the Christmas Bigfoot. He's a shapeshifter that lives underground, can only come out at night uh, during uh, around the winter solstice and around Christmas time. Uh, and a shapeshifter that will leap onto your back and claw at you until dawn until he has to go back underground. But but being a shapeshifter, he can look and transform into anyone, including, you know, Anne Ethel, who brings that casserole every year to your house. Could be Anne Ethel. So if you hear the knocking at the door and you see what looks like Anne Ethel holding that horrible casserole. It could be the Karakonkalis. I'm just saying, play it safe. 
don't, don't open it. the door. Yeah. yeah, just be like, hey, you could be that shapeshifter from Bulgaria. So we're going to go ahead and just let you stay out there. There's a lot of different creepy creatures that are listed throughout the book that wants to vanish on my green screen. Um, look at it. Poof. It's there. It's gone. So get yourself a copy of the book. How about some of the other weird traditions? Uh, mistletoes, silver bells. Why do we have all these things? Mistletoe is uh, from Nordic folklore. And it's, it's actually sort of a beautiful story where uh, the Norse god uh, Frigg, goddess Frigg, she uh, she had a son, Baldar, who was the god of summer, and he had this dream about his own death. And she thought it was a prophecy. And she warned all the creatures of the earth and the sky and the water that no harm can come to her son. And so uh, the evil god Loki found a loophole. He found something that's poisonous, that doesn't grow in the earth, doesn't grow in the water, doesn't grow in the sky. And that's mistletoe. Mistletoe doesn't grow on any of those places. It's a parasite that attaches itself to a tree. So it is a, it's a loophole. He took the poison from the mistletoe, put it on an arrow, gave it to the blind god of winter, said, hey, aim that way. Just turn it a little more. Okay, great. Let the arrow fly and whoop, right into Baldar and it killed him. And all the creatures of the earth and the sky and the water came together to try to bring him back to life, but they couldn't. And only his mother who knelt over him and just wept and wept, uh, only her, her sadness and love was able to bring him back to life. And suddenly her tears turned into the pearly white balls on the mistletoe. And she decreed that forevermore, no harm can come to anyone who stands under the mistletoe. Just a kiss, a token sign of affection uh, can befall someone that stands under the mistletoe. And that's where the, the tradition comes from. It's um, and of course it got ruined by that creepy guy at the office party that, you know, would yeah. hold, you know, be like, Hey, mistletoe. And you're like, Oh, creepy. Yeah. And Dave. Lena goes, never underestimate a mother's love. <laughs> right. Some tears shed for your child brings him back. Mistletoe. Uh, another weird little uh, fact on that. The holidays, man, there are so many weird deals. Have you started looking at other parts of, of our holiday spectrum, like Easter, are there creepy Easter characters? Well, <laughs> Easter is of course named after the, the fertility goddess Esther. And um, we are really teaching our children at Easter time about procreation and sex, because what are the symbols of Easter? The egg, the bunny, right? Who's more prolific at procreating than the bunny? Right, and, and Dave Schrader, maybe me. That's maybe Dave <laughs> with, with your thirty-seven children. Yeah, well, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> so, so yeah. I mean, every every holiday's got its weirdness, and every holiday has its pagan roots that were transformed and and morphed and 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 you know switched around to try to bring in the fold into other religions and um but if you go back far enough you can you can find the truth there and you can find something sort of beautiful you do need to teach your children about procreation i know it's uncomfortable and awkward but you know maybe bunnies and eggs are a safe way to do it in those young years to be like well this is the spring and spring is when flowers come up and when you know, bunnies start to have more bunnies and eggs start to hatch. And and so it's it's a very safe we, way to sort of... We paint those eggs. No, I'm going to leave that one alone. Yeah, yeah leave very that. weird, very strange. Just cut that right out. We're a weird group of beings, aren't we? Creating we, just strange legends and lore about everything. We are the strangest species I've ever studied on this planet, for sure. And um, But also, like, it's kind of awesome that we can create this narrative and make something that's so magical that it, it really does transform us. If you let it, right. If you let the spirit of this holiday in, 
um, it can possess you in the best possible way. You can find such deep meaning. You can find uh, a special place in ourselves. If you go to the darkness, then you can see the light, right? But if you're in a light place, how do you see the light? It's just all relative. But only when we take that deep dive can we come out redeemed. A Scrooge taught us that, right? I mean, if Ebenezer right. Scrooge could be redeemed after facing his ghosts and his demons from his past and his present, um, only then could he wake up and, and be transformed in a single night. And so can we. And that's the promise of this holiday. We can be transformed in a single night, but only, only, only if we allow that darkness to come in. And if we run the gauntlet and if we survive Krampus and Grilla and Yulads and Karakankalis and, and the Belschnickel, if we survive all that, we can come out the other side and be all the better for it. But Which you have to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. It's a Christmas movie. Because you have the hero, you've got Hans Gruber, and let's face it, Christmas doesn't really happen until Hans Gruber falls from the top of the Night Tommy <laughs> Towers, right? It's so true. That's it right. is absolutely true. That shows you how dark we are as civilization, too. Have you seen that there is a uh, calendar now, the countdown calendar, and it's got Hans Gruber, and you move him down <laughs> one day every day until he hits the ground, and that's your uh, advent calendar now. I love that. That's amazing. It does uh, exist, folks. Go find it. It's the Hans Gruber advent calendar. <laughs> uh, so many cool things. Buddy, I love the book, honestly, not just Thank because you. you wrote it, but because it is so beautifully done, so wonderfully written, and the art in it is so great. It's got that throwback, historic sense and feel, and uh, gives a great insight. Again, loving history as much as I do. I love when we can look at history come to life again on the pages and get a little understanding of where so many of these traditions we do come from. Because without books like this, people wouldn't even realize what the benefit of a Christmas tree or the wreath or the swags or mistletoe or any of these great little things that we do mean and the real power behind them. And there is magic in this time of year. And you can sense it. You can see it. You can feel it with a smile. Mm -hmm. Just being kind, you will see that there is a lot of magic in and around this world at this time of year. And you're part of that, buddy. You've created an amazing book, and I wish you nothing but success. Pick it up, read it, and then rate and review this. Have a very happy holiday season, my friend, and thank you for coming on. I know it's November. We're not yet into Christmas. We're just barely past Halloween, but this was a good time to bridge the creepy of Halloween into the creepy of Christmas and forewarn you and all of your children of the true dangers that are around us at every moment. Thank you all for tuning in, and I hope the darkness is just a little bit more light with the information that we share here on the Paranormal 60. Mm -hmm.